Morning, everyone. Really good to be here today. Really, really excited to start our Advent series. Um, my wife and I, uh, Deidre, part of the lead team, as Claude already mentioned, and uh, this is a really, really special time of year for me. I love Christmas. I really do. I think that probably most of us in this room do. Uh, the season is... Uh, it's incredible. It's magical, you know. Um, the only thing is I really feel like the season needs to be defined, if I can. Because if you've talked to Daedra, she will tell you that the Christmas season begins right before Halloween or so. And I need to set the record straight here. Contrary to what she tells you, it doesn't start until this weekend, okay? So after Thanksgiving, then you can start watching your movies and... You know, all that kind of stuff. Boo, Tara's already walking away. Deidre started listening to Michael Bublé on Halloween. She watched Home Alone in August. Am I, am I right? So that's, that's true. And uh, apparently, Isaac, our son, is uh, following suit because he was singing Christmas songs at the top of his lungs down in the children's uh, ministry just today. So here's the deal. If it were up to me, that would be illegal. Uh, my wife would be in prison uh, for listening to Christmas music that early. Uh, Hallmark Channel, uh, if I can just go on a little rant real quick, Hallmark Channel would be off the air for inventing their movies, just to let you know, anytime, any time of year. Deidre <laughs> uh, really likes those movies, and you know, I can, I can see it to a degree. Uh, if you talk to Deidre, she'll say that uh, this is the perfect time of year for something like a Hallmark Christmas movie. Anyone ever watch one? You can be honest, listen. We're only audio recording this, okay? Very good. Okay, so no one can see your, your hands go up. Uh, Deja says something like this. Listen, that now more than ever, we need a two-hour distraction where everything works out in the end, right? You know, it's very predictable. You know exactly how it's going to turn out. The two people from two different worlds are eventually going to get together despite the odds. Uh, Isaac is actually watching one with uh, Deidre when I got home on Wednesday, so before Thanksgiving, and uh, they were finishing up a movie, and it was five minutes until it ended, and the two people that were supposed to get together, they were arguing still. And I was like, whoa, what the heck? Isn't this movie almost over? And she's like, yeah, that's how they all end up. They'll end up getting together, and Three minutes later, they did, and two minutes later, the movie ended. So I guess that's how it all works out, you know? Uh, but, the, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that uh, in a world marked with kind of darkness, sadness, anger, Hallmark movies do bring a bright spot uh, into Dater's Day. And, uh, in fact, <laughs> much, much of the, the way that we celebrate Christmas as Americans is kind of designed to be that bright spot in a Christmas season where the days get kind of colder and they get darker. You know, the lights of Christmas, these beautiful lights here, the gifts of Christmas, the traditions, the ceremony, uh, these all kind of reflect an element of the Christmas story in one way, shape, or form. In fact, one of the reasons why I love Christmas so much is because uh, I love Jesus, I'm, I'm a Christian, and uh, this is the time of year where culture seems to enter the story that I love so much, the story of Jesus. Um, the world is fascinated by it at this time of year. Uh, but I don't know if you've experienced this or not, or maybe you feel this way, uh, but culture more and more seems as if they're trying to make sense of Christmas with Jesus removed uh, from the story that they tell. And it begins to be confusing. I'm a teaching assistant uh, in a third and fourth grade classroom, uh, and when kids say, what's the meaning of Christmas? Are they being to talk about Christmas? We say some really, really cool things. Like the answer to the meaning of Christmas uh, from us to them is things like family and peace or love 
Now listen, I'm certainly not arguing that those are bad things by any stretch of the imagination, but removing Jesus as the author of those things inevitably makes life confusing. So we say at Christmas time, Christmas is all about family. That's great, but I have three kids in my class that don't have families. No, they're in foster care and they're saying, well, what does that mean for me? Or we say things like peace, you know, it's all about peace, but I don't feel peace. And so it's Christmas for me. And if I don't feel peace because of the gifts that I get, does that mean that there's something broken with me? You know, what if Christmas points to something deeper than those things? What if Christmas uh, is pointing to something that would light up the darkness in our lives with things that, that uh, go beyond this world? In fact, I would argue that if we're trying to make sense of Christmas without Jesus as the center of the story, we're trying to light up darkness uh, with things that don't dispel the darkness for very long. So the question that I have this morning before we get into the text today is this, what earthly things are we hoping will be our source of light? What earthly things are we hoping will be our source of light this week, this season, this season of our lives, whatever the uh, context may be for you today? And my goal this morning really isn't to make you feel guilty uh, for watching Hallmark movies. Uh, it's not to uh, put a damper on the magic of Christmas for you, uh, especially if you um, are a skeptic in the room today. Uh, but instead, my goal is to show that the light of Christmas means far more than we could ever imagine. So many of the traditions that we've built around Christmas, uh, they remind me of the way that my son Isaac learned how uh, to read, or at least know his alphabet. And I want to set up a clip for you if I can. Uh, he was one year old, uh, learning his ABCs, but he really didn't know them very well, uh, as you're going to see in just a second. Um, and so what we did was uh, we put him in front of anything that would <coughs> kind of teach him how to read, we, an iPad, uh, these books that we have. In fact, this book uh, in this clip here is a book of colors. So the, the word blue is in blue. The word yellow is in yellow. The word red is in red. Uh, and we figured, surely he'd be able to learn from that, you know? But uh, it was pretty comical the way it worked out. And I want to show you exactly how ingrained in culture, without even knowing it, uh, my son at one years old had become. Can we roll this? B-I-E-W. That's you. Good job. And what's this one? P. P. U. You do it. Point to it. P. Let's go back to this one. That's mommy's favorite one is this one. Can you do this one again? This is the word yellow. Tell me what this one is again. Y E pause zero W mommy. Yay! One more time. Tell mommy one more time what that says. Why, penny, pause, zero, penny, W, yeah. Good job. Right. Yellow. Those two L's next to each other look like the pause button. So Isaac says pause. Good job. Pause. Pause. <laughs> oh, that's cute. That's funny. You know, like Isaac, we are so connected, we are so ingrained in our culture that we're kind of prone to interpret everything around us um, through its lenses. So Isaac didn't see two L's next to each other. Uh, he saw the pause button. Uh, before you berate me as a really bad dad, ensconcing my one-year-old in technology, <clears throat> excuse me, 
He's, uh, he's in the highest reading group in his class now, so that was all me. Uh, the pause button, that was all Daedra, just to I'll let, you, I'll let you know. I'm, I'm totally joking. Uh, no, but that's a, that's a perfect illustration for what we're about to experience today as we approach the text. Um, how ingrained in culture we are, even as we celebrate uh, a beautiful season like Christmas. Again, not to uh, belittle anything that we do as Americans, but I want to show us and reveal to us that uh, the pause buttons that we see around Christmas time are really something different and something deeper. Over the next six weeks, we're going to be uh, going through this light arriving Advent series, and we're going to be taking a look at the Christmas story through its characters uh, that play such an integral part in the story itself. And in order to tell the full story, what we need to do is we need to start back at the beginning, way back at the beginning with its primary character, uh, which is God, God in three persons. So some of us may know in this room that the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, the very first verse, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so in chapter 1, he, he says this phrase, uh, let there be light. And as God said, let there be light, there was. And uh, phys physicists in this room will realize that the universe is continuing to expand even today because of the phrase that God spoke, uh, let there be light. The universe is continuing to expand outward. Uh, and we believe as Christians that it's because of that let there be light phrase that God spoke into existence. And so it didn't take very long uh, for humanity to come onto the scene. In fact, just two chapters later, uh, man sins and spiritual darkness enters our world. So Adam and Eve, they, they sin in the garden. And so Genesis chapter 3, uh, part of that is about how spiritual darkness enters our world as a result of uh, turning our backs on God. And so that's why the Old Testament, if you've read through it, can read kind of like a horror story at times, can it? You go through and you think, whoa, there's a lot of murder in the Old Testament, uh, rape, genocide, some really tragic and terrible things uh, that we think, why did God put this in the Old Testament? The truth of the matter is, is we put that there because of the spiritual darkness uh, that our sin causes. And so the light that we celebrate today uh, is, is uh, prophesied about uh, through the prophet Isaiah. It is in this darkness that Isaiah receives a prophecy from God. Uh, and in this darkness, the prophecy that light breaks forth into our world is, is kind of like a breath of fresh air because there's darkness and despair. But then the prophet said there's glimpses of hope. There's hope on the horizon. It was foretold to break into our story in the form of a child, a son. And that prophecy came to pass in a manger in Bethlehem. I'm going to pray. Then we're going to get into this prophecy of Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to roll up our sleeves and get to work. But can you bow your heads and hearts with me? Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful, thankful that we get to be in a room together celebrating uh, the meaning of Christmas. And Lord, whether we've walked into this place arms folded as a skeptic about this season or uh, we embrace everything that goes along with it, Father, I pray that today the eyes of our understanding would be illuminated in a fresh sense. Father, I pray for the, the grace to step aside so that your Holy Spirit can speak words to our spirits, to our souls today. And I ask, Father God, that uh, the, the ground, the, the heart, the soil uh, of our hearts would be... Um, ready to receive all that you want to plant in us today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Let's look at our text together, Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verses 1 through 7. It'll be up on the screen if you don't have a Bible. But there will be no gloom for her, for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. It's God's word. So traditionally, the Christian church has called the celebration of the Christmas season by the name Advent. And uh, the meaning of Advent is that God actually hasn't left us in the spiritual darkness uh, that we brought on this world ourselves, uh, but has broken into that darkness. He hasn't left us to bear it alone, but he himself has broken in. A light has dawned. A light has arrived on the scene. And Isaiah is writing in a time where the world was very, very dark indeed. So in the chapters leading up to our passage, he paints this picture of a people who have forgotten about God. They've rejected his guidance in their lives. And he has, uh, they have walked away from him, the source of true light, and said, I think I'm going to try this life on my own. And so we have a, a spiritually dark world, a, dark, uh, a world that has rejected God. And what is God's response to that rejection? If I were God... My response would be, all right, I'm going to crumple you up and start over again. Uh, but look at his response to that rejection by people. Uh, he said uh, that a great light will shine on those that are in deep darkness. He talks about how people were trying to make sense of the world uh, by using their own lights, by consulting mediums, fortune tellers. And the imagery is that uh, of people trying to feel their way around in the darkness, kind of grasping at anything that they thought uh, would bring clarity to the confusion uh, of this world. And so they were looking to people that could tell their future because they were unsure of it. They were looking to people to make sense of their present uh, by looking to the things on this earth to illuminate their path and to light their way. And what's interesting to note is that nothing was taboo, nothing was off limits. These people uh, who had at one time known uh, God himself had walked away from God and they said, we'll try anything to make our own lights, to light up our own path. Uh, they, would, uh, they would do whatever it takes and that's why Isaiah said that they walk in darkness and, that, uh, and that's why he prophesies that these people who dwell in darkness will have to see a great light. In fact, Isaiah 
speaks of it as though it had already come to pass. It was so sure to come to pass that he says, the people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. It didn't come from their fortune tellers. It arrives on the scene, not from their world, but it comes from outside of their world. And that's important to note for our time today. What's interesting is that whether we follow Jesus in this room, or we're a skeptic here today, we may see a similarity between the world that Isaiah prophesies to and our world today. You know, uh, no matter what side of the political fence you're on, no matter what side of a spiritual fence you're on, you can always point to something in our world and say, wow, that's dark, that's disturbed, that's confusing. I wonder why God would allow something like that to be a part of our world today. See, things can seem kind of bleak and confusing, even hopeless at times, no matter who we are. But what may not be uh, as obvious is our response to that darkness is incredibly similar today as it was to the people in Isaiah's day. Now, you might say, well, I don't know about that, Eric. Uh, they were consulting mediums and fortune tellers, and I definitely don't do that kind of stuff. And that may be true. We don't all consult fortune tellers uh, to kind of make sense of our world, but all of us reach for things to make sense of the confusion of our world. None of us are exempt from taking the good things about the Christmas season and trying to make them into ultimate things, things that would make ultimate sense of the, the life that we are living by the light that they give off. For so many of us, we look, uh, the things that we look to for light to illuminate the confusion of our lives are the very things that we assert to be the true meaning of Christmas. So we do take words like family and love, and we believe that if our relationships are right and healthy, the people in our world will bring clarity to a dark and confusing world. Or maybe uh, we equate the meaning of Christmas with peace, and we try to extrapolate Jesus from the story, and then all of a sudden peace gets reduced to that prayer that we're going to have enough money in January to pay for uh, the things that we, that we buy in December on credit. You know, that as crazy as it sounds, I, I was making fun of Hallmark movies, and I apologize about that. <laughs> but even something is, as in, <laughs> I have to live with my wife afterwards, so I, I love Hallmark and everything that goes with it. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but the, as crazy as it sounds, even something as innocent as Hallmark movies really uh, can steal the place that God deserves, because it's fine to watch a heartwarming movie and think, oh, man, that's so good. I needed something buttoned up nice and neat in my life. Uh, but every once in a while, we to watch a movie like that, and then we begin to interpret our lives through the light that it gives off. And we think that love looks like that 100% of the time. Or our lives should come together like that 100% of the time. So when our lives don't seem to have the happy ending that we expected, we kind of feel lost. We assume that something might be wrong with us or wrong with that person because they were supposed to see the light before the two-hour mark, right? The problem with these lesser lights is that they just don't break through our darkness like Isaiah was prophesying would, would take place. You know, they may flicker like a candle in the dark recesses of our heart, but like a candle, they just don't last. They're not designed to be eternal. They're designed to be temporary. And this is where the danger of interpreting Christmas through our cultural lens comes in. Two letter L's don't make a pause button uh, in this certain situation. And when we try to assign created things the heavy responsibility of bringing clarity to our life, they inevitably get crushed by that weight. 
And so maybe you're thinking, man, if I just had the right person in my life, life would make sense, or I would be happy, or uh, whatever the meaning of Christmas is, or the meaning of life is for you. And so you assign that person, that relationship, ultimate worth, and they're crushed under its weight. So it's not fair to them because they're not designed to hold that weight, but it's not fair to you either because you, they can't meet your expectation. And they say, why are you expecting so much of me? And all of a sudden, the thing that you were hoping would bring light to your confusing world is broken. The light turns off. It's shattered. It can't bear that weight. And so you're left even more confused than when you started. The truth of the matter is, is that there is good news in Christmas. There is magic in Christmas, if you want to say it that way. Uh, The good news of the gospel can shine through in the sense that the manger held the one who would one day be willing to be subjected to the weight of the cross. Jesus was born in this manger, would arrive on the scene, being the prophetic answer to the light that would break into our world. And even though he's a baby, he says, Take that weight of expectation and put it on my shoulders. Jesus says it before he goes to the cross. Take uh, your yoke upon me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Bear your burdens to him. Give your burdens to God. He can handle it. He can handle the weight of expectation. And because of his sacrifice, he has brought light to the confusion and to the chaos that we experience in our lives so often. Uh, Because of that sacrifice, we can see a great light. I want to put up verse 2 again, the crux uh, of that um, Isaiah prophecy, as far as I can tell. He says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness on them has light shown. Deep darkness. Deep darkness. Has that ever described your life? I know it's described my life. Maybe it describes your life currently. And if you've never experienced that deep darkness, life comes your way, and you probably will. I hope you don't, but you probably will. Uh, you saw Isaac um, at one years old on that video, and um, Eli in the back of the room is his twin brother. My twin boys turned nine this week uh, on Friday, and it's amazing how, how fast time flies. But this time of year always reminds me of the truth uh, that Jesus brings clarity to the confusion and the deep darkness of our lives, that the gospel can break forth in the Christmas story if we tell it uh, through the lens of this prophecy. Uh, see, uh, eight years into being married, Deidre and I found out that we were pregnant, uh, pregnant with twins and really, really excited about that, had been waiting a long time um, for that. And I thought, wow, this is really incredible. I, if I remember correctly, their due date was December 28th, right around there, right after Christmas. Uh, and we were really excited. Things were going along well. Uh, and actually, Claude and Meredith were over at our little apartment for like a Friendsgiving kind of thing right after Thanksgiving. Um, and Dater's water broke, but it was uh, November 30th. And um, so it was about four weeks early. And, you know, twins, they, they tend to go early. So we go off to the hospital, Dater and I. Um, you know, everything went fine. The C-section, she needed a C-section at that point. So um, 
had a C-section. They plopped the babies in my arms. I had no idea what to do. I was freaked out. It was really scary. Uh, but we noticed uh, pretty early on uh, that Eli wasn't responding uh, as a typical uh, newborn baby would. Uh, he wasn't eating. Uh, he was breathing. He was humming weird. Um, you know, different things like that. And it was about four days in right before we could leave to go home um, that he was feeding or trying to feed and turned blue and uh, turned blue. And the nurse just grabbed him and ran out of the room and left Dater and I going like, whoa, what just happened? What's going on? And um, I remember being really sad by that. Like, I don't know what happened, but they just took my kid. And um, I knew that there was, wasn't something right, and this kind of cemented it. Uh, so you know how it is in the hospital. Like, you can't really make sense of time at all. Uh, so I don't know if it was a half hour later or uh, two hours later. I have no idea what it was. But I finally found Eli, uh, and he was upstairs in the NICU hooked up to these machines, stuff on him. I think we have a picture uh, of a couple days after that little baby. His, his legs are actually thinner than that today. <laughs> Little chunky legs there. Uh, but this is similar to the image that I saw, uh, and it wrecked me. I can say it just, it wrecked me. This was supposed to be the happiest time. They were supposed to be born at Christmas, you know, and just kind of solidify the family that Deidre and I knew we were going to have. And here is my, my boy hooked up to these machines that, for all I knew, were keeping him alive. Uh, and it would be 35 days up in the NICU before we could take Eli home. Uh, we found out later that uh, he was born with cerebral palsy. Uh, it's not a life-threatening kind of thing, but it's a life-altering kind of thing. He'll probably never talk, probably never walk, but he's turning nine uh, this week, and we are so grateful for him. But I will never forget seeing that image of what I thought was essentially death in the middle of what should have been life and going back down uh, to the room that my wife was in and crying in the elevator, trying to keep it together for her, walking to the, to the room, crying in the hallway, going back to the bathroom to make sure I looked okay, <laughs> to try to hide it from her. Uh, and when I walked into that room, um, there was Christmas music playing on the TV. I don't, I don't know if it was some kind of talk show. I don't know what it was, but uh, there was a, a chorus um, singing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and we probably most of us know that song. Uh, but in that moment, I listened to the words w completely differently. In fact, there's a, uh, a verse of that, um, that hymn, that Christmas chorus, that says, Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. Uh, I can still feel that emotion. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. It was at that moment in the middle of a hospital, in the middle of my deep darkness, that the gospel came shining through in this season of hope. It was at that moment that the confusion, the chaos of life was illuminated by the fact of Christmas, that Jesus had come so that Eli would one day be made whole. So that we didn't have to say, well, this is your one and only life, Eli, and, uh, you know, you're going to live maybe in days of pain and days of frustration, and then you're going to die, and then that's it. And uh, you smiled every once in a while, and that made us really happy. Without that truth in that moment, life would continue to be confusing and chaotic, even up to this day. I can celebrate peace and family, and love, and all of those things that we associate with Christmas because I'm celebrating the one who brings peace and the one who creates family and the one who, who is love. 
today I can celebrate that the light that the prophet would, said would break into our dark world uh, has arrived on the scene. In fact, as we get into the New Testament, this is the way that John uh, talks about that light. So John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 say this, In the beginning, remember, the very beginning of creation was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Isn't that good news this morning? That the deep darkness of your world, the deep darkness that brings confusion or chaos or sadness, uh, cannot overcome the light of Jesus, the light of the gospel breaking into our world today. Isn't it good to know that the things of earth will grow strangely dim, in the light of his glory and grace. You know, one of the things that we like to say here at Centerway is that uh, the text requires something of us. It always requires something of us. And this morning, as we process kind of what it means to have a light break into and through our deep darkness, uh, my question to you is this. What area of your life do you need Jesus to be the light? What area of your life do you need Jesus to be the light? Maybe you realize that the things that uh, this world offers to you, you've been trying to illuminate your own story with. Uh, maybe it's your, your gifts, your talents, those things that God created. Maybe it is the sense of family. Maybe it is the season where you say peace and hope. Those things will light my way and make meaning in my chaotic and desperate world. Maybe you're a skeptic in the room today, and, and today you recognize in Isaiah's prophecy that the thing that you've been hoping will bring clarity uh, just hasn't done so. It's actually made things more confusing. It's, it's left things disappointed in your life. Or maybe you're on the fence today. Maybe you've waffled uh, between being a Christ follower and kind of giving your life to him and not giving your life to him. And you're trying to make sense of the confusion on your own terms. Maybe you've said, God, if you're really there, if you're really good, then I would never experience deep darkness. And what Isaiah says today and what John says in his gospel uh, is that darkness is part of life. Darkness happens because sin happens. Sin is part of our world. But the good news is that the light will break through. The light has broken through and is available to you today. And so your response may be uh, to worship him and say, there's no turning back, God, I'm giving you my life. Maybe you're the believer in the room today and you recognize in this, tense, in this text, excuse me, your propensity to make lesser things ultimate things in your life. You take things that are very good things, things that are gifts from God, and you turn them into ultimate things and they are crushed under that weight of expectation. And this morning, you realize that only Jesus can offer that hope. Only Jesus brings that peace, can illuminate the darkness of our world. And so your response is to worship him with a freshness and a newness that only he provides. Going back to Isaiah, God's response to our brokenness, our sin, our desire to turn away from him was to turn toward us. His response while we walked away from him was to shed light in our dark world that we created. 
In fact, the New Testament says it this way, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So maybe your response today is to to turn away from those things that have been directing your life and say, God, my response to you shedding light into my darkness is to worship you, is to give you my one and only life, maybe even for the very first time. Can we bow our heads and hearts as we enter into a time of worship? We're going to allow the text to drive our response to worship today. But I'm just going to pray to solidify uh, the work that the Holy Spirit is doing in this place this morning. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you didn't leave us in the darkness that our sins deserve. Father God, I thank you so much that a light has dawned that we celebrate the Christmas season with lights and uh, with all the pageantry to, to commemorate the light that is broken into our dark world. And God, there are moments where I assign uh, the meaning of life, the meaning of Christmas, the meaning of the season uh, to lesser things, things that we can all agree on, things that are good gifts from you. Forgive me for those moments where I've allowed those things to guide my life, to, to illuminate my path. And I pray today, oh God, that you would have the ultimate glory in my life. That you and you alone uh, would be the light that leads me, that guides me, that directs every step that I take. And I pray, Father God, that the response that I would have today would be a heart of worship open to you completely and holy. Whether it be in, in freshness or even for the very first time, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you my worship today. Be glorified in it. In Jesus' name.